Hey everyone, welcome to Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Brie Marie from livingbrilliant.com. I'm a blogger, online course creator, a mindset and success strategist, and now a podcast host. This podcast is all about how our mindset creates the reality of every aspect of our lives, from money, to relationships, to careers, to entrepreneurship, and even our health and wellness. I know firsthand just how powerful our mindset is and just how easy it can be to get lost in the complexities of life. Through my own journeys with anxiety, a tough career transition, building a blog from scratch, and a super shaky start with online entrepreneurship, I've been able to connect with experts, coaches, entrepreneurs, and other bloggers from all around the world who are now excited to share their transformational stories and mindset shifts with you. So let's jump in. So bear with me, okay? <laughs> uh, first and foremost, first and foremost, who am I? Um, so I was checking the podcast stats for last week's episode on Friday, and I think I got something ridiculous like 3,500 downloads in the first 24 hours. Um, can I give a quick acceptance speech really quick? Um, so first, I'd like to thank the Academy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, really, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. It has been so much fun just doing the podcast, like meeting people, recording with people, producing the episodes, editing it, um, all of those things. Like I didn't think that I was going to enjoy it as much as I do. So Thank you. Honestly, I'm so, so grateful if you take the time to listen to these interviews, That if you're learning things from them. I know I'm learning a ton of things just from the different guests that I've had on. So I really, really, really appreciate everyone who has taken a moment to listen to this pod, to, the, to any of the podcasts, really. But today's guest is absolutely amazing. Her name's Dr. Tristan Sophia and I reached out to her and we just like instantly connected. There's no other way to really put it. Uh, Dr. Tristan was a psychologist for 20 years, I believe. And really quick, I, I didn't know this, but Tristan explained this to me and I'm very grateful because I, I, yeah, I didn't know. So I was going to do this recording and I was like, um, really quick before I, you know, do your intro. When I say that you're a doctor, I was like, you have your PhD in psychology, right? I just want to make sure I'm correct. And she actually has a psych D, which is a doctorate in psychology, whereas technically a PhD is a doctorate in philosophy. Um, yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> but, and I didn't even know there was a difference, but Tristan explained that. So I think that that's really, really cool. And she graduated from Pepperdine, which if you don't know where Pepperdine is, it's in Malibu. Google it. I think the 
website photos alone kind of sell it. Um, But it's actually in Malibu. It's a beautiful, beautiful campus that overlooks the water. And it's not just a beautiful campus, but it's also a really, really great school. So yeah, so Tristan and I talked a little bit about the differences between therapy and coaching, which I know a lot of times people get a little bit mixed up on what the actual difference is. And so I thought it was really important to have her on to explain what those differences were and when you should actually seek a therapist versus when you should actually seek a coach. And I really believe that the work that Tristan is doing right now for women is so empowering and it's the work that we really need for women as a collective right now. So she helps women with their self-confidence in their business. And a lot of the times women associate their self-worth with their net worth. I'm not the first one to use that the first one to use that phrase, BTW. I know that. I don't know who came up with it, so shout out to whoever who did. But the work that Tristan is doing is more about empowering women, helping them find their self-confidence, helping them find their voice and how to really transcend that in in the, not only their lives, but also their business. And I know that that's something that I've struggled with as well. And I know a lot of women who are in business kind of tie into you tie your business into your self-worth. And it's a really sticky, slippery slope (laughs) when you do that, Um, because as a coach, you are selling your story. And so when someone tells you, no, I don't want to purchase your service or I don't want to work with you, it's really, really hard to not take those no's personally. Um, And Tristan and I talk about that in this episode. We talk about a whole like, honestly, it's a really, really great Uh, range of topics in this episode. So I really hope that you guys enjoy it. All of Tristan's links will be in the episode description. So just scroll up and you can see her website, her Facebook and all of that. She just got her website redone, which I just took a look at it and it looks phenomenal. Absolutely beautiful. I think it's like a really, really fair presentation of, of who she is and the type of person that she is and the type of coach that she is. So her website looks absolutely phenomenal. And yeah, I think, I think those are all the things that I have to say. Tristan is also just very sweet, very, very kind. Um, she gave me so many compliments and there's like a difference. And I'm sure you guys know what I mean by this. Like when someone's being disingenuous, you can tell with Tristan, it was so genuine and so kind and just like my heart literally felt warm after talking to her and hearing her feedback and just getting to know her was just is just I feel like I made a new friend I really really do not that I haven't made friends with everyone um that I've interviewed on the podcast but Tristan and I just had like a very instant connection she lives in Montana which I've always wanted to go to so I might be making a trip up there next year FYI Tristan if you're listening um because I've always wanted to go and then I would also love to meet her in person but yeah that's all that I have for today I will see you guys on Friday I hope you enjoyed this episode all right love you bye How are you?
Hi, Brie. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad the internet's holding up for us today. <laughs> I know. Yay. <laughs> I oh, think my data got renewed. You, oh, you did? Oh, that's good. Um, so yeah. Kristen is in Montana and she is a certified life coach for female entrepreneurs. And tell us a little bit more about what you do because you were also a psychologist for almost 20 years. Right. So I did psychology for a long time. And just to make a long story short, I just became dissatisfied with it. It just wasn't rewarding for me. And I was looking for something else that was similar. And I tried a lot of different things. But fortunately, I found life coaching and went to get my certificate in it just because I'd done therapy for so long. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't doing therapy and that I knew what coaching was. So um, I went and got a certificate in it and started my business last year, like you said, for coaching female entrepreneurs. And I absolutely love it. Like my, my energy and passion for helping people is back and above the level um, compared to when I even started in psychology so long ago. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of people have this question. So Mm -hmm. what would you say is the difference between coaching and psychology? Like, because I've been to, I've been to therapists like since I was 18 and I've also had Mm -hmm. my coaches and I feel like I can never put my thumb on what Exactly. Like if someone would ask like, what's the difference? Like I wouldn't be able to tell them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I understand that Uh, personally and professionally because I've been in therapy before in my life. And when I first started hearing about coaching and then even after I decided to do it, I still was confused on the difference. So Generally, what I say, this is a really easy way to remember it and and think about it, is that like someone coming into therapy is below their normal level of functioning, and they really want to get back to their their regular level of functioning. You know, they're experiencing some form of like emotional trauma, like depression, anxiety. Uh, trauma or relationship problems. And so they've fallen below where they normally are at. And coaching is a person who is already at their regular level of functioning and they want to go higher. So they're not experiencing, you know, emotional upset in, um, in any, you know, significant way where they would need like way more support than a coach can give them but they have certain goals that they want to achieve and they need that extra support for going higher. Yeah. Yeah. I would feel like with my coaches, I've always had, like, I feel like they hold me accountable. Whereas with Mm -hmm. therapists, I felt like they offered support. Yes. Oh my God. That would be like the difference. You just said it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I, I feel like that. coaches, you feel free to take it. <laughs> um, well, I, th- I think you um, hit the nail on the head right there. I, for me, like my coaching, what has always worked for me, and that's why I do this with my clients, 
is, you know, focus less on why are you where you're at, but how can we get you to where you want to be? And that, I mean, I'm totally generalizing, but therapy does focus more on how, how did I get here? Why am I here? Rather than how can I get out of here? Again, I'm totally generalizing. And, you know, therapy and coaching is appropriate for, you know, whoever fits that mold at that time. But I know that I was, I felt kind of shackled at times by, you know, when I would get somebody in therapy and they really wanted to take more action, sometimes, I mean, you have to go by the theoretical orientation that you were trained on, especially because insurance companies are paying for these people's treatment. Mm -hmm. And so you can't, you can't just go outside of the box really. Um, So that, I don't know, I just felt kind of constricted and I just fell in love with coaching because there's just a lot more action involved and a lot more, um, people who show up ready to work rather than, um, maybe look back on their past. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that both are important though. Like I think for me, sometimes I have to pull from past experiences to like understand maybe where I'm at and like where, I mean, I'm, this is, I don't want to make this about myself, but I'm assuming like most human beings are like this, um, mm-hmm. that they pull from their past in order to like understand for why they are where they are and how to move forward from that. Um, especially like when you're talking about like things that are triggering, like, and money, like money mindset, I think you have to like mm-hmm. look back at like, what your money situation was like as a kid, like what did your parents teach you or, you know, about money or what did they not teach you about money to understand like why you might have a particular mindset around it now? I completely agree. And I mean, I do that work with my clients. We do have to go back and figure out what limiting belief is hindering you right now from getting visible and getting clients. Because if there's an issue um, that keeps popping its head up and you know, that is hindering my clients from building their business, then there's definitely what I have found is that there is a limiting belief there somewhere. And we do have to go back and figure out what is the limiting belief? You know, what messages did you get as a kid? How are you continuing to support that belief right now and how is it hindering you? And I guess, you know, in, in light of what I just said, a difference between like therapy and coaching is like that process for coaching, it, it takes less, I mean, literally if you have someone open and willing to go back and find a limiting belief and start uh, figuring out how to stop it from hindering you, it could be done in one session and it seems like in therapy that can go on um, much longer than that. Yeah. Which is appropriate if someone's in therapy, but if someone's in therapy, but they really want coaching, it's going to take them a lot longer to get results. 
Right. Well, too, I think like coaching is very results driven. Like, yeah, I'm assuming, you know, when you sign up with a coach, <laughs> most good coaches will like be like, okay, what is the deliverable here? Like, what do you want to actually accomplish like in our time together? And so I think like when that's like the, the like end goal, like people are more willing to like work for it because they can see that and they realize like, oh, I'm going to have to like go through this process even if it's not pleasurable and not like comfortable, I need to do it to get to that result. Yes. Yes. And they're not hindered by, you know, the emotional problems of what usually drives people to therapy. You know, I always say depression, anxiety, trauma, and relationship problems. Right. Generally people who enter coaching don't have a lot of baggage in that area at the current moment. Right. Absolutely. So why specifically female entrepreneurs? Oh my gosh. I've never been asked that before. That's a really good question. (laughs) Well, no, I'm just trying to tie it in because, you know, a huge topic um, that Tristan and I talked about beforehand was women and their self-worth in their business and kind of separating the two. Um, because I think from, from a woman's perspective, um, when you see men in business, it has a lot of that like masculine energy. Like there's not really a divide. And I think for women, we sometimes associate our self-worth with like, I've heard this, I don't know where, but I've heard this term, like you see your self-worth in your net worth. Mm-hmm. And that's not, I, for me, I don't view that as like a healthy uh, standpoint at all. So it's so interesting that you asked that because when I, I mean, when I first started psychology, I started focusing on working with children and adolescents. And then I fell in love with doing psychological assessment. Then I did a practicum at a juvenile hall. I fell in love with working with criminals. And I actually worked with adult male offenders for a really long time. And I enjoyed it. It, They're actually like the easiest people to deal with. (laughs) But when I got into... Yeah, (laughs) seriously, because... Um, And some of this translates into my coaching too. The adult male offenders really appreciate direct, honest, uh, straightforward people. And Mm -hmm. that is who I am. And that is what coaching supports. And so that's what I'm drawn to. I love just being direct, honest, and, uh, you know, not... Not hemming and hawing around a little, you know. There's no fluff. There's no fluff. You get to things quicker. That's how I like people to work with me. And so that's how I like to work with people. So I really started off doing that with the adult male offenders. And it just translated really well into life coaching. And really why I wanted to focus on female entrepreneurs is because I, I mean, so many reasons, but one, women have a tougher time in getting ahead in this world. We have more things against us than men do. 
we do. And I want to support women being empowered and living the lives that they can truly live and not being limited by anything, but especially not being limited by themselves. Cause I, I think ultimately that. that's what it, that's what it comes down to. We have, and everyone men too. I mean, we have a lot of roadblocks in the way in a lot of different areas. But for me personally, my biggest roadblock was myself. And I see that in so many women, in my clients, in my colleagues, in my friends. And as a woman who's gone through this, building a business and having myself be my own roadblock, I just feel so much passion for the woman out there who's where I used to be. And I, I want to help her like people have helped me you know, get over those limiting beliefs and, and rise above further than I ever thought I could have. So I'm not sure if I, you know, answered that question super well, but I, it's more just like, well, because I'm a woman, I've been there, I've done it, and I want to help my fellow woman rise up. No, I think you summed that up perfectly. I think that's a really good why, because I've, I've never been at I've been asked that actually, I take that back. Like why specifically I work with women and I don't exclusively, I would say 98% of my audience is women. And then there's the 2% for, for dudes. But, but yeah, I think that that was a really good, a good answer. And to kind of circle back really quick to limiting beliefs. Um, I was hoping that you could maybe give us some examples of what a limiting belief sounds like or looks like because I think sometimes people and I'm for myself included don't view things as like when you're talking that self-talk right it doesn't pop up of like and announce itself as a limiting belief it's like I'm not I'm here as a limiting belief usually it's something that is like so ingrained in us that we're not aware that it's a limiting belief until you do work with a coach and realize like oh I'm having some limiting beliefs around relationships or business or, you know, putting myself out there or whatever the situation is. So do you have like examples of what limiting beliefs look like? Wow. You just said it really, really well. <laughs> it, you did. <laughs> um, so it is, it's a belief that Sometimes we're not even aware of. Sometimes we're just kind of aware of it. Sometimes we're completely aware of it. But it, as the name implies, it totally limits us. It's restraining us in some way in which we don't want to be restrained. So I can give you an example. When I first started my business, I... I <laughs> I knew I had skills. I knew that I could help people. And I thought all I would do is get a website, do a few Facebook posts, and the clients would come running in. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> You're not alone. Thank God. <laughs> um, it's so, it's, I'm so glad I can laugh about that now. And every time I share that, people are like, oh yeah, that's what I thought too. So 
Yeah, that's what I thought. And when the clients weren't coming in, I mean, you wouldn't believe what I was telling myself. I mean, every other day when my husband was coming home from work, I was in tears and I was saying, I'm doing it wrong. Um, people don't like me. No one is responding. What am I doing wrong? This isn't meant for me. And I mean, the thing is, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm, you know, me from, you know, our conversations together. I'm, I'm really not this arrogant person, but I did have confidence in my skills. And for me to be saying, there's something wrong with me, I'm doing it wrong, people don't like me. I was, thank God I was listening and I was like, what is going on here? I cannot believe I have so much self-doubt and it's all related to being visible, being vulnerable and not getting any response. So fortunately, like I said, I immediately really paid attention to it and I'm like, Oh my God, something needs to happen. And I, I mean, I got a coach. I really delved into working on my mindset and not just with her, but on my own, I upped my meditation practice. I really started following people who are spiritual leaders and who talk about mindset and confidence. So this limiting belief to not to go on and on the work that I did on it. it I mean, I realized that it was going back literally to my childhood that if I, if I am true to myself and I'm presenting myself out there being vulnerable and being completely me and people aren't responding, then that means, uh, you know, the, the limiting belief I learned when I was little is that, well, you need to be different then. And then something's wrong with you if people aren't responding. You know, God forbid I look at my marketing or my content, what I was writing, or that you can't just post on Facebook and it would get into people's news feeds. I automatically went to what's wrong with me. And so that limiting belief that I had had for so many years and that I've actually worked on, I mentioned I've been in therapy before more than once, um, it still needed a lot of tweaking. So um, like I said, I recognized it and I, I did the work on it. Believe me, I don't think it's completely gone. I'm a human being. I think it's a journey that I will always be on, but I definitely um, had to do way more work on it because it was keeping me from building my business. Yeah, absolutely. That's so funny that you brought up like you just put the website up and like post on Facebook and then you just get, you know, a million clients who want to work with you. Um, yeah. And that I kind of had this, I had somewhat of a similar experience when I launched my first course and I sent one email <laughs> and I thought, I was like, this is it. This is my moment. <laughs> like, um, and no, like no one bought, no one showed up. And I was like, it, I cried for like half a day. And then I realized like, maybe I was a little bit um, irrational, <laughs> illogical, not logical to um, expect a bunch of people to, to buy my course after sending one email. Um, and, and again, like that's, I think it's okay to allow yourself to like have those moments, 
but then also like switch back to like what you were saying, like looking at maybe the marketing or the, the quantity or the consistency or, you know, all of those things like from a, from a business standpoint are also important to look at. Um, because it's not, it, I kind of always have to have a conversation too with myself of like, it's not all about you. Like this isn't about you. (laughs) Um, you know, sometimes you just have to, to kind of put that into perspective. It's really funny that you brought that up. Um, but speaking of, I guess, kind of what you were saying, like you were feeling this, like, maybe sense of rejection from people not liking or show or, you know, wanting to work with you or whatever the situation is, 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 is the word no. And we kind of talked mm-hmm. a little bit about this, like in our previous conversation, but like mm-hmm. not taking no's personally. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's so cliche and I've, I've said that a million times and I'm sure people have heard it a million times, but how do you get over being told no? And, you know, even though you're so funny, you always say it, it it's a cliche, but I think this is such an important topic. When I first got in the space, I did a group coaching program and my coach was awesome. And she talked about this issue of not taking those personally. And I hadn't had the experience yet. So I was telling myself, Oh, I'm going to be fine with it. I understand it's not personal. Well, but then it happens. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) Oh yeah, you do take it personal. And I think the majority of human beings would. And Actually, I would question somebody who doesn't, okay? Because I would say they're a little bit too detached or something (laughs) because uh, you are, especially with what we do, we're not selling a product. We're not selling a coconut oil and essential oil, you know, concoction that we've made in our kitchen. We are really selling ourselves and our Our services. So our story and being vulnerable and we are we are sharing our story to show people how we can help them so we are involved highly in this business but like you and I talked about before it is so important to not take that no personally and Literally, my coach uh, from my group program instilled in me that I mean there's a a bunch of different ways you can deal with it. But one thing that I automatically do is say, thank you. I trust the universe that they're taking this person away and they are going to supply me with a person who really wants to work with me. And I mean, that's the abundance mindset, right? And I totally believe in it. So I have to put that into practice. And even if I'm not grateful that that person said no, I definitely make myself say, you know, thank you to the universe. I know somebody better is going to come in that person's place. Mm-hmm. I, easier said than done, but, right. you know, I'm, I'm one who believes in doing the action even before the belief is there. Oh, I like that. Action before the belief is even there. Yes. That's really good. Um, I'm going to have to write that down. (laughs) Um, 
I, for me, the no's that I get, kind of the, the mindset that I go into is the reason why they said no nine times out of 10 has nothing to do with me. Yep. Like if it's a money thing, like why does that have to, what does that have to do with me? I'm not the one paying for the service. Um, I doesn't mean that I need to lower my prices or anything like that. Um, or maybe they just don't like me. And why would I want to work with someone who doesn't like me? Because then that just, it's going to be difficult to work with someone who's going to be resisting you the entire time. Um, so I always say like the reason why someone says no to me is really none of my business is kind of what I kind of say to myself. But again, I think maybe that's like a little bit of detachment as well as like a defense mechanism. So I don't feel like my ego's bruised. <laughs> I think that's really healthy though. You know, I think it's a defense mechanisms are there for a purpose and they help us survive. And I think that's a healthy one. And I think a lot of stuff is not our business. So I love the, always having that reminder, you know, that one phrase, what people think of you is none of your business. It, it's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you I, know, I was trying to explain this to my friend the other day about projection and how like mm-hmm. usually when someone starts calling things, calling you out on certain things, you know, granted, sometimes they are right. Like I would hope that like my good friends like feel comfortable enough to be like, hey, Brie, you do this thing and it really bothers us. Like obviously in a healthy conversation, but like if someone's berating you or going off on you, like a majority of the time that per- that person's projecting like how they actually feel on the inside and they're trying to like make you feel the same way that they do. Um, Yes. And sometimes I think you see that like with coaching clients, um, if they get upset with you or something like that. Projection. That's one of my favorite topics. (laughs) Oh, really? I feel like I'm not doing a good job explaining projection. Well, it's really like putting, I think you did great. It's putting on the other person what you're actually experiencing, but you have no idea that you're doing it. Right. So right. if somebody's doing it, you can't tell them that they're doing it because they're going to say even more mad. Gonna, <laughs> yeah. So don't do that. Don't <laughs> tell someone when they're projecting. It won't work out well. Yeah. Um, You were just making me think, though, another thing I do when I get a no is I remember when I've told people no, and actually, like you said, actually probably 2% of the time it might have to do with them. The rest of the time, it has to do with my time, my money, my, um, you know, maybe I have somebody else that I you know, is maybe higher on my list that I prefer working with, but yet nothing is wrong with this person. You know, I would, I would love to work with them too, but I mean, there's so many reasons. And again, I think we really have to go to trusting that everything happens for a reason. And like you said, you don't want to work with somebody who is resistant to working with you or maybe felt so guilty that they said yes. And then they regret sending you the money, it, it's not going to work out anyways. Right. 
Right. Yeah, that's why I get really clear on deliverables before. I mean, it's not only like, does this person want to work with me? It's, do I want to work with this person? Like, I really have to feel a connection to the person that I'm working with and that like that I really want to help them build their business or really want to help them make a transition because they want to use it for like a greater good or something. Like I really feel like in order for me to perform my best, I have to be connected to their why. And if I'm not, it's probably not going to be the best uh, move. For, for either party. Right. And I love your integrity and, I mean, I mean, that's how I operate as well, because that's how I can best serve the other person. And you know what? That's how I can best serve myself, because I'm really going to enjoy working with that person mm-hmm. if we have that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you want to be excited. I feel like sometimes, like, people get so caught up in the numbers and, like, money. And I, yeah, obviously, money is important. Um, everyone wants money. there's nothing wrong with wanting money but at the same time it's like I think when you actually do work that's meaningful and fulfilling to you like the money just naturally comes um I agree as a a consequence quote negative not negative consultate not not negative um connotation but like money is just gonna happen right I mean they say do what you love and then everything you want follows whoa Right. <laughs> oh, that was weird. Sorry, I'll have to cut that out. My like computer just started playing music randomly. I don't know if you heard that. Oh my god, that's so funny. Cause you said that on um your yeah, train. Yeah, I don't know. I think it with. might be the headphones that I'm using. I think they're like having their own time their own <laughs> party there it's I, don't, I don't i don't think it picked up um, i didn't hear it yeah because i have an external mic and so as soon as i heard it i just hit mute so <laughs> the thing um but i want to talk about people pleasing okay that was something We talked about, well, I was telling Tristan about my anxiety. I said, you know, I talk about it on like almost every episode and I'm super open about it, um, which in turn has actually like, I feel like it's been very healing for me. Like the more that I talk about it, as uncomfortable as it sometimes gets, the better I feel. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But underneath with anxiety, I think sometimes it boils, not everyone, some people experience anxiety because of maybe a lack of self-worth or in my case, it was people pleasing. And you kind of said, I want to dive into what is underneath people pleasing. So can mm-hmm. you kind of elaborate on, on that? Sure. Yes. Another one of my favorite topics, I did not even know that I was a people pleaser for a long time. I didn't even find out until I was probably your age, Brie, (laughs) that I was a people pleaser. And then, you know, I got into therapy and started looking at what was underneath it. And I mean, talk about a cliche. This is going to sound like a cliche, but underneath my people pleasing, and I've heard this from 
other people. Um, underneath mine was thinking I had to be perfect to get people obviously to like me and just to avoid rejection, to avoid abandonment. And so if I could make everyone happy and make everyone like me, really, um, I would never experience rejection. I mean, talk about setting yourself up for failure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the, and the way that I really kind of manifested that was that I started losing my true self. I started right. losing who I truly was. And I would behave how I thought people wanted me to behave. And I would say things that I thought people wanted me to say. And it, it, got so deep that I didn't even know who I was. So waking up out of that when I was 26, um, it it was a huge shock to me because I, I literally had not recognized what I had been doing. And I didn't know, I mean, talk about the anxiety I didn't know that my anxiety was tied to my people pleasing. But when you when you want to get everyone in the world to like you, that's going to cause some anxiety and stress. I mean, I didn't set boundaries. I always had to be on and I just I couldn't relax. I didn't feel comfortable with myself. I always had to remember who I was dealing with and how I wanted to be. So, I mean, that was definitely tied to a lot of my anxiety that, that need to people please. Yeah. Yeah. That's so dead on with like exactly kind of the same experience I had except I was 22, 23 and my anxiety, like it starts very subtle. It's not like it was for at least for me, in the beginning, it was very subtle. I didn't know what I was experiencing. Um, and I think that that had to do with kind of like that, like the lack of like a dis, I don't know, how am I trying to, like, what am I trying to say? Like, I just wasn't connected to myself. So I didn't know what I was experiencing. Like mm-hmm. now I feel so tuned in to my self and like into my body that like, when I'm experiencing anxiety, I know right away, like, why I'm experiencing the anxiety. Um, but, yeah, I think when you get so disconnected from, like, who you are and, like, what you actually want to do, because I feel like – and I think a lot of it, too, comes from when you're in middle school, high school, and college, like, you're told, like – what you're going to do. Like you're going to go to school and like you wake up and you do this, and, like you go to class and then you eat or you go to sports or whatever. And then finally, when you're done with college, you're like, oh, I get to like choose what I want to do, but I don't know who I am because a lot of these decisions have been made for me and based mm-hmm. off of what everyone else was doing around me and like wanting to please maybe your parents or your grandparents or your family or your bosses or your teachers or your friends. And so when you're left to your own devices of like, well, wait, who am I I actually, what do I want to do? What is my purpose? Um, It, it feels almost like an existential crisis (laughs) in in some sense, but um, 
yeah, I think that everyone in their early to mid twenties experiences some, some sense of, of anxiety. I agree. And I, and I, I love that, uh, age that you put on it because I've heard from so many people that around 25 and 26 people have this. I mean, I, for me, it was a spiritual awakening. Um, some people, you know, just call it an awakening where they realize that they had been living by somebody else's standards or society's standards. And they really have to look at themselves and say, wait, who am I? What do I want out of my life? What purpose do I want to follow? And, and all of those questions need to be answered because if they're not answered, they're, they're going to stay within us. Um, just, just poking at you forever. I, I mean, they don't go away. Yeah. And no one wants to live their life like that. Like no. that was one of the things that I had my like moment of like looking at the mirror and being like, is this how I really want to live my life? Like, is this how it's going to be for the rest of my life? Like I'm constantly going to feel this way. Um, and when the answer was no, I don't want to live like this. I mean, that's like a slippery slope, but I, I kind of was like, well, then what can I do to change it was my next thought. Um, I love your story because you took like massive action <laughs> after <laughs> you asked yourself that question. <laughs> Didn't you call your boss like that day? <laughs> yeah, it was like a couple of days later. I mean, because I was so, I, it was so sick that you're practically like catatonic because you're just like, so like you're so tired and like fever and just but at that time I was just like I can't do this but yeah I called it was literally like I had already submitted my notice and I still had like a week and a half left or something like that maybe more and I just called and I said I'm sorry like I'm not coming back I pulled up to the parking lot the day I was supposed to come back to work I was literally sitting in the parking lot and I was like uh, like just I felt sick like I still felt sick because I had like a stomach flu but then I still felt I felt like emotionally sick um and I just was like I called them up and I was like yeah I'm not coming back I'll come I like I sent someone to get the rest of my stuff from my office um and that was it and I was like I just gotta figure it out from here like sink or swim um, mm -hmm. <laughs> from that point on. Um, but yeah, I think honestly, like I'm so grateful for those experiences though, for, for having anxiety, because I think if you don't learn how to, I don't want to say deal with it or cope with it, but if you don't know how to work through it, I guess would be the right word, um, or the right phrasing, then you're just going to be stuck in that cycle. Yes. And you have to take like that was one thing I would say that you took action, even if your belief wasn't a hundred percent behind you. Right. I mean, you weren't like, I know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Oh, no. no, I didn't even know about blogging as a career Yeah, at all. I was just kind of like, uh, <laughs> okay, well, I got to figure <laughs> it out. And 
I started going to therapy and I started the blog and, and then I just kind of got like introduced to the world of coaching and blogging and course creation and all of that. And I was like, you know, why don't I just try it? Like there's no, I, and I, but I think that stems back to my childhood. My parents were like really big on like me trying a lot of different things. So like mm-hmm. I went to some piano and ballet and swimming and like soccer and I did like literal gymnastics. Like I did a lot of different activities growing up. And so it was always like, well, I can try it. If it doesn't work out, like I'll find something else has always been my attitude towards Mm-hmm. like a lot of different things in life. So, yeah. Yeah. So, That's a yeah. great attitude. So I wasn't like dead set on like, I have to like make this business work. It was like, well, we'll figure it out. And it, I mean, I, some might argue certain parts of my business don't work still. <laughs> like, you know, it's just always going to be that, that growth. Oh yeah. Well. It's always evolving. Yeah. So but if you're looking I, for that destination, it's, you're never going to arrive. No, no. I mean, we're, yeah, we're back to where we first started, but uh, (laughs) around every corner, there's something new that presents itself Mm -hmm. that I have found in having my online business. And it's always going to be that way. I always thought once I rounded one corner, then it was going to be smooth sailing. (laughs) I'm very naive sometimes, but I learn quickly. But you, like, I'm sure you, you can agree with this. Like that's, I think, part of the appeal Like, I feel like that's what keeps me going is like, which never happened in my nine to five jobs because like, I'm very process oriented. Like I want to find a process for like, oh, this is like, this is how it works. And Mm -hmm. when I was working my nine to five, as soon as I figured out the process, I was like, well, I'm bored. (laughs) Like, I don't want to keep doing it like day in and day out. And like with online business, it's like you develop one process, you kind of, you up level in your business and then you have to develop a new process for a different thing. And so it's like that just constant, like for me, that's just like the most mentally stimulating thing. So I think that's why being my own boss works for me. For other people, I think it can be exhausting and they want that like, like smooth sail you know, nor like stability, that kind of thing. And I feel like, you know, with business, you're, that's never going to happen. <laughs> right. Right. You are never bored. Uh, you said it, um, as meant the constant mental stimulation. I agree. And even though I might complain about it once in a while, it's way better than being in a nine to five. I've done nine to fives before. And the longest I will ever last is like two years. I mean, I haven't done that for like 10, 10 years, but I, I just, I couldn't do it. Like you said, it's like you learn everything, you learn the process and then it's like, now what? I'm not going to keep doing this for 40 years. No way. Yeah. And that, I think that was also part of why I like had a little freak out at that job was because (laughs) the woman like two cubicles down from me had been working at that company for like 40 something years. And I was like, Oh, like how much life? Like I was just thinking about like the, your literate, your actual life was spent working for this company. 
you know, like 40, that was longer. That was like twice as long as I had been alive. Like, so I couldn't even like mentally wrap that around. <laughs> like, I was like, I've only been along around for 22 years. And like, I couldn't imagine doing this for double my lifetime. Um, and I, it's not a, a knock against her. Cause I, like, I, I think some people really thrive in that environment. Like some people really like that stability and like, that monotony of like every day doing the same thing and and that's good like that's what you like do that but for me yeah. like that was a trigger where I was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> I agree I agree and god I I mean I envy you being a millennial and having these ideas and realizations at your age because for so long, my generation was taught to you. I, I mean, just like, you know, the generation that taught us to do this, they were just like, you need to save your money. You need to get a stable job with good benefits and you need to stay there until you retire. And maybe you can earn a little bit of money and buy a house someday. The end. Like, no. And I knew for so long that I was unhappy with that. but. I was like a square peg in a round hole. Like I was the only one saying this at my jobs. Like, wait, you know, I would talk to my colleagues, like, wait, are you really happy here? Cause I'm not. <laughs> and they'd be like, well, it's good benefits. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I still think that that's true for even my generation because that's how my parents were raised. And so like my dad worked for the same company for over 20 years. So like talk yeah. about like a mindset that like I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to get a job at a company and work there for the next 20 years. And then six months in, I'm driving to work with a bag in the front seat because I think I'm going to throw up because I'm so stressed <laughs> out. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's a whole, you're like, what the heck am I going to do? So you start internalizing it. Like something's wrong with me. Like I'm the problem. Not like, yes. oh, there's a situation, oh a situation outside of this that's different. And so, and like, I, I mean, I'm so grateful for the internet and technology um, because I think that it, that is literally what introduced me to this whole other world. Like I do not know what I would be doing if I didn't start the blog, if I didn't like push myself a little bit out there to like actually engage with like other bloggers and coaches and online business owners. Right. Exactly. I mean, with the internet, uh, things have completely changed mm -hmm. and we can have that laptop lifestyle. We can, you know, do the job that we're called to do helping people in whatever realm that is and enjoy our lives at the same time, have the freedom to travel and, you know, not be tied down to an office and not be tied down to a schedule. Mm hmm yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Not every day is like sipping pina coladas by the pool. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, there are some days where I'm like, so in my business, like, I don't, this doesn't happen very often, but it's like, I like, don't remember the shower. I'm like, what is happening? Like, you're just so in it. 
But then there are days where you're like, oh, it's nice. Like, I really don't feel like working today. So I really don't have to. <laughs> um, so yeah, it is, it is really nice. But I think going kind of like tying this all together is I think at the end of the day, I think human beings, and I don't know why, but I don't think that this because I don't know why doesn't mean that I don't think it's true. But I think that as human beings, we just like to feel one connected and two feel like our work has meaning. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if that's a primitive thing or if it's society. Like, I really don't, I don't know why that is. But I think like when you start to find value in your work and you start to find fulfillment in your life, a lot of that anxiety begins to dissipate. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on any of that. <laughs> it wasn't really a question. But I was so <laughs> I was so touched by what you just said because I do think it I mean for lack of a better word, primitive, I I do think it's within us to want that connection and want to give meaning and have meaning in what we're doing. And you mentioned earlier in the podcast that that existential angst. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when I imagine you, I think it was two years you were at that job maybe. before you left and and that anxiety that you were feeling I think it was absolutely related to you know I don't feel like what I'm doing has meaning but not really being able to put your finger on it right away but yeah I I think most of us absolutely want that yeah like I think the reason why I got into human resources was because I said I want to help people Like, that was literally, like, always my why. Like, why do you want to work in human resources? Well, I really want to help people. And I felt like there was that, like, human connection. And I knew that I always valued that. And I think working in retail, obviously, like, you get that human connection. But, like, quote, you know, that's not what I could do for the rest of my life. So then the next inclination just seemed to go work in an office and work – do human resources and I thought about like benefits and like family medical leave and like you know I feel like I was like servicing people in that way but then I realized like that was only when you work in corporate America you you quickly realize that people don't matter <laughs> oh it's yeah. to get turn, but like people don't matter they become a <laughs> let's just say it how it is um and I that never really resonated with me well so I hear you. I hear you. I I did my internship with a federal agency <laughs> and I I did that internship for a year and I came out of there saying I will never ever work for another federal agency because and I was working as a psychologist. I just Um, was coming out of school, finishing my dissertation and getting my hours before I could get licensed. So, um, you know, I was considered a psych psych intern and I was doing psychology and I was just like, 
Wow. Um, what I'm doing here is not really valued at all. And I could be helping people in so much more, but I was hindered by red tape and a good old boy network. And, um, and I'll just wrap this up. I know we're going like different directions, but having those ideals of, of wanting connection, wanting meaning, wanting to help people, and then getting a job with the government. Oh my God. It was such an eye opener. And, and that's why I'm like, there's no way I'm not going to do this. And I decided my life was way too short to try to change uh, the system. And I was going to, I was going to make a difference in another way. Mm. Well, maybe that's exactly why you chose to work with female entrepreneurs is like you wanted to help them realize that there was a different way to serve in the ways that they wanted yeah. to, to serve. Um, that didn't necessarily mean that they had to work for maybe a government agency or even their nine to five and in big corporations Absolutely. And if you think of like moms, even if whether they have a husband or not, if they're a single mom, um, you know, if they are working a nine to five, they miss all that time with their kids. And the moms that I know who live the laptop lifestyle, like you said, it's not all, you know, sipping mimosas by the pool or whatever drink you said. <laughs> but, well, I don't um, drink alcohol, but yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't either. <laughs> uh, sipping um, a seven up by the pool. And, you know, it's, it's not always like that, but it is worth it because, you know, the freedom and flexibility that you can have when you're not in a nine to five is, is, is worth the hard work that you do to get there, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So where can people find you on the internet? I'm going to include all of your links in the episode description, but I'd like them to hear it from you. Perfect. Okay. So I have a Facebook group called The Confident and Successful Entrepreneur. And I have my website called drtristansofia.com. Those would be the best places to find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. I really enjoyed this. Oh, Brie, thank you so much. I completely enjoyed it. I could talk to you forever. <laughs> right. You can tell. Yeah. <laughs>